Stirring the Pot podcast, a podcast all about discussing controversial food subjects, historical aspects of food, and pretty much everything else food and cooking related. Once again, let me start by introducing my co-host. First up, we have Mr. Barbecue Brand, an aficionado of all things barbecue, and a recently featured guest on the Food Network's Barbecue USA. Welcome, Barbecue Brand. What's cooking, everybody? It's your boy, Barbecue Brand, a.k.a. Brand the Man. Let's get this thing popping. Next up, we have Mr. Brandon D., a connoisseur of Louisiana and Southern cuisine and a self-proclaimed food science nerd. Welcome, Brandon. Uh, thank you. Welcome to our second episode, guys. Today, we are discussing a topic that is controversial, admired, and as much bullshit as you can imagine any sub food subject barbecue so let's get this started because there is a lot to talk about and i can guarantee this will not be our last time covering this subject (laughs) (laughs) i am your host casey p a baking and cooking enthusiast and a lover of all southern culture history and cuisine tonight's topic involves something that we all know and love whether it's at home at an event or sometimes in a restaurant barbecue So to get things started, I'm going to give a little background. Barbecue has roots in history from one country to the next. But as early as the 16th century, there is some records of the Spanish settlers interacting with the indigenous people of the Caribbean. And there they had something they called barbacoa. That style of cooking they took over to the New World in various forms. And actually, the earliest forms of the modern-day jerk came out of that. So. With that being said, I'm going to turn it over to our barbecue aficionado, Mr. Barbecue Brand. Thank you. Uh, Barbecue. What can we say about barbecue? Barbecue is just something that we all love, right? Most of the time, some of our earliest memories of barbecue is just hanging out with our family, friends, you know, just cooking. Not really knowing exactly what we're doing sometimes, but just making food and having fun. And that's what it's really all about. Barbecue is something that can really combine a lot of different people. I feel like barbecue is one of those things that is underrated and just undervalued, very undervalued. Whenever we start talking a little bit about the restaurant style barbecue, we can talk a little bit more about how it's undervalued. But barbecue is something that I fell in love with probably about 13 years ago. And I've just been grilling and barbecuing ever since. Which brings me to another point, the difference between barbecue and grilling. Right. So whenever you're grilling, you're grilling over something pretty hot. So you get your coals super hot. You're searing, you know, grilling at a fast rate. Uh, Barbecue is a little bit more low and slow. Again, it's something that we all love. What's your thoughts? Indeed. Indeed. A barbecue, uh, when you're talking low and slow barbecue and smoking, you're talking about what people would call lesser cuts of meat, ribs, brisket, pork shoulder, Things that have a lot of connective tissue in it and take a really long to break down to be tender. So you're not going to put your ribeye steak on the smoker and smoke it. You can, but you, you would do it for a short period of time just to give it some smoke flavor, but you would never do a long, slow cook on a ribeye steak. I mean, this is made to break down tough, big pieces of meat, connective tissue, you know, a brisket or something that's very, very tough if it's unless you actually break down all the collagen in it and you render that into gelatin, turns it into something amazing. It's a, it's kind of a magical process. I would consider you take something that's a 
a tough cut of meat cooked in other ways, and then you break it down and you turn it into something that's tender and delicious and full of flavor. You know, smoking is a old way of preserving meat. The smoke kind of keep, uh, keeps it from going bad. So that was kind of an old way to keep meat was to smoke it. So we adapted these techniques. You know, a lot of people have brought a lot of things to the table. There's different styles. There's Texas style, and then there's subsets of Texas style. There's East Texas, South Texas, Hill Country, West Texas, and all these do cook the same things, but in a slightly different way. So there's a, there's a real lot to talk about with the subject. Absolutely. Um, that brings up a really good point, B, is not only how you barbecue, but why you barbecue. And you brought up the right. point about, you know, really just breaking down connective tissues, meat that has a lot of fat in it, that sort of thing. So you need mm -hmm. to cook it low and slow to be able to break that down so that it is tender and flavorful. Once again, it's poverty food. I mean, it's it's just, it's poor people. It's what poor people cook. It was not the most desired cuts of meat. These are uh, cuts that people consider, hey, it's not as high quality as some of the other cuts, but they're actually very delicious when they're cooked properly. I mean, think about brisket. Brisket is one of those things that a lot of people are scared to cook, but yes, you know, you have to cook it long and you have to cook it slow. I mean, you can cook it hot and fast too, but that's a, a, another right. conversation. But think about the first person that ever cooked brisket and left it on too long. And then they were like, <laughs> oh, well, this is actually pretty good. You know, right. it was right. a throwaway piece of meat. Brisket was very cheap. Nobody wanted to eat that or cook that, you know, long ago. And then right, someone right. cooked it too long. And then all of a sudden, it's one of the most desired meats out on the market right now. And you have to pay, you know, four or $5 a pound for it now. Thanks. Right. 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 It's, got right. a hype. it's got a hype to it now, you know? It's got a exactly. following. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a lot of demand for brisket. So normally, like in Texas, brisket's always been real popular. It's real common here. There's a lot of brisket sold. In other states, you know, you have to look at the economics of a cow and how you break it down. In some other places where you're not selling brisket, brisket is turned into ground meat. You just grind it and you add it to your, your ground, ground meat. And that's the more economical way of selling it because you, you'll make more money per pound selling it as ground than selling it as a brisket. Because people see brisket, this is a this is an 18 pound slab of meat and it's kind of intimidating to cook it. It's like, this is this is a lot of meat. You know, I have to cook this right. <laughs> so looking at one, a person that's a, a casual cook will look at a brisket and they say, there's no way I'm cooking this. So, you know, for butchers, it's just economical to, to grind it up. I mean, that's the most economical way to to cook a brisket. It's just turn it into ground if you're not selling whole briskets. But Texas, there's a big market for brisket. So it tends to be a little bit cheaper over here. We pay anywhere from $3 a pound for choice for prime. You'll probably be like 5 to $6 a pound. Okay, you, you said something very interesting that I don't really know too much about. And I don't know if anybody else knows this. What is, it, what is choice? What is that? Oh, that's your, that's your different grades of meat. So uh, in the USDA, there's a different grade on the marbling. You have prime is the highest, choice is the second highest, and then select. And there's a bunch of grades below. There's cutters and canners, and there's all there's grades below that that they use for like really old dairy cows. Uh, but prime, choice, and select are what you're going to see, and that's really the marbling score on it. The prime is going to have the most marbling. Choice is going to have a little bit less. And then uh, select is going to have your least amount of marbling. So in a fattier cut, sometimes it doesn't matter. Prime short ribs are a waste of money, just to be honest with you, because choice short ribs have a lot of marbling in them. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter where they come from. You're just kind of kind of spending a little too much on prime short ribs. I mean, it, it can almost be too much. If you go for a cut that's all naturally fatty on a cow, 
it's going to be fattier in the prime the prime section. So for like short ribs, I really recommend going with choice short ribs. I think they're just they're perfectly fine. This is actually one of the things that a lot of people don't know whenever whenever it comes to grades of meat is that whenever they are grading meat when that they're grading it for prime choice and select. Let's say you go to buy a a choice brisket, right? They're not grading that brisket. They're grading the part of the ribeye. So they get a That's section right. of the ribeye, they will grade the rest of the meat based on that. That's why you can go to the store and find a choice brisket that is just as marbled as some primes that you may have seen, or you may see a prime that is not as marbled as some choices that you may have seen. So, you know, That's it, it all comes down to, to being able to know what you're looking for and choosing mm -hmm. your meats. And we'll definitely cover that in a later episode on how to select meat. Um, that is a huge topic. And then you have your higher grades. I say grades. I mean, grade of cow wagyu. That's a whole nother subject. Um, it's not necessarily <laughs> a grade as much as it is a breed of cow. So Correct. Um, if you see that, then just know that it's a different molecular structure, cell structure within the fat that makes it wagyu. It's not, you know, necessarily a grade. A U.S. you know DA grade. There's also Wagyu, which is there's Texas Wagyu, there's Australian Wagyu, and then there's there's Japanese Wagyu. Kobe beef is sometimes called, but Kobe is a particular type of beef that has come from a certain area, in a certain place in Japan, in a certain breed of cattle too. So there's a, I can't remember quite what it is. I believe it's the Black Hajima cattle, but that's the Kobe beef, but. That's neither here nor there. So those cuts of meat are a lot different. They, uh, the, you're right. The cellular structure of the fat is a lot different. Uh, as beef, regular beef tallow has a higher melting point than tallow from a Wagyu cow. That's because the fat is structured more like a pork fat. It's got the structure of a pork fat that has a lower melting point, but it's beef fat. So it's got a, a pork fat melty quality, but a beef fat taste. So. It makes sense. And it's really a ratio. Normal cows have uh, both of those types of fat. It's just a ratio and a Wagyu is much higher on that really low temperature melting fat than that high temperature melting fat. It's real that a high temperature melting fat is very, uh, I would call it waxy kind of kind of tasting is a kind of taste that leaves a film on your teeth. If you've ever had a uh, lamb has that really waxy fat too. So that has a very. kind of leaves a film in your mouth. Very, so that's, very. Yeah, exactly. So that's that kind of that fat structure is a, is a lot different on the Wagyu cows versus the versus your standard breed cows, which are usually it could be Angus, it could be all there's there's all kinds of breeds. Uh, the Longhorn is uh, is not is uh, another breed that's very very lean, uh, much leaner than a normal cattle. So there's there's a big variance in cows with with meat when you go from one breed to another. So all this talk about cows, what about my favorite pork? Like well, pork, yeah, well, uh, pork is an interesting story because. Pork used to be a, a lot more marbled than uh, than it is now. That's because what they did, and I believe it was in the earlier part of the 1900s, they crossbred uh, bacon cows with uh, lard lard hogs, and they kind of made a hybrid hog. A bacon hog is very is very lean. I think that's called a. It's not a Berkshire. It's a, it's a Hampshire. Berkshire. The, the pig. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Hampshire pig is a bacon hog. So it's real lean because you want a leaner hog for bacon because bacon's already fatty. And if you get a lot of fat on the uh, on the bacon, it's it doesn't make as good a product as a leaner. A leaner hog makes a better bacon quality. So there's, there's a, a bunch of different breeds of hogs. There's uh, Hampshires, there's Berkshires, there's Red Waddles. Oh man, what's the ones there's, from there's Spain? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a the, ton. Uh, of, they're all all different. Uh, 
Iberico, yeah, correct. Uh, yep. We've actually, you know, I've actually cooked a uh, a red waddle before, and that's a that's a heritage breed hog. And uh, we cooked the I cooked the whole pig, and this thing had way way more fat than the other pig I cooked, which was just a, just a standard commercial hog crossbred. So these heritage hogs can have a lot of fat. I mean, their fat cap can be. Uh, Oh man, you know, three inches thick. So it could be a very big fat cap on it. So I have a question, another question. So we're talking about pork here. What is the difference between all these different types of cuts of ribs? Uh, St. Louis, baby back. What's oh, the difference? For yeah. Oh, B, you got so, this one. You you, you yeah. can break this down. <laughs> yeah. Take us to school. Let's take us to school. <laughs> your baby back ribs and you have your spare ribs. You may see this in the store. The baby back ribs are going to come from, a, they're, they're cut essentially a little bit closer to the backbone. That's why they have that curve in it. So they're curving around towards the front of your pig. So that is, that is, that is your baby back ribs. Most of the time, they will be just a tad leaner than your spare ribs. The spare ribs are closer to, your, to the belly part, right? So you actually cut the pork belly off of your spare ribs. You're, you may find some full spare ribs in the, the store, you'll see those huge slabs of ribs. And then you have what's called your St. Louis style ribs, which is, a, it's, a, it's a type of cut of the spare ribs. Mm -hmm. So your St. Louis style cut is from the spare ribs. So those tend to be a little bit, have a little bit more marbling in them. I tend to like the spare ribs a little bit more than the baby back ribs, but there's nothing wrong with either one of those. Mm -hmm. So what, what are you technically, cook during your competitions what style do you typically cook yeah so for a competition we are normally cooking well for my league here in louisiana we cook spare ribs there are some leagues where you have to cook baby back ribs so i'm cooking the spare ribs and i'm normally cutting them down to st louis style ribs um, which is essentially cutting off that breastbone off of the rib, as mm -hmm. well as uh, trimming off the skirt off the inside and just shaping them up a little bit better because we're trying to get the best ribs, sliceable ribs that we possibly can for turn-in. So we will make some St. Louis-style ribs or cut those St. Louis-style ribs, but we will trim them up even further. Interesting. So right. what, is, what is your favorite meat to cook in a competition, Brent? It's got to be brisket. <laughs> I and love why is that? I, I love cooking I love cooking ribs. I feel like I'm really good at ribs. Um someone asked me the question a while back, you know, how many how many racks of ribs do you think you've cooked in your life? And I was like, I think I've I'm pretty sure I've cooked over two thousand racks of ribs just in the past like three <laughs> years. And wow. that's not even an exaggeration. <laughs> not even close to being an exaggeration. But right. brisket is just one of those things that is just a labor of love and you just you know, you spend all day just babying it, babying it, and then you have to let it rest. So, you, the, you know, the patience, you have to have patience, and then you got to just let that suspense build, and you finally cut into it to make sure that you've you cooked it right. It's just, it, it gives you that satisfaction, you know, a little bit more satisfaction than something that, you know, only takes three hours to cook or, you know, an hour mm -hmm. and a half to cook. It's just automatically going to give you more satisfaction. So I love cooking brisket. I think it's I like process. eating ribs more. Yeah, you got to love the process. That's what it yeah. is about cooking. You got to love the process as, just as much as you love the product. Because, exactly. you know, the, the, the people are going to love the product. I, I, I used to talk to my students in, in education and, 
I, I would tell them the hard work does pay off, but you have to you have to want to put that work in. And it's the same way with cooking. If there was a basketball game on last night and your buddy didn't see the basketball game and they asked you uh, about it, the first question they're going to ask you is who won? They're not going to ask you any questions about, you know, how many uh, reps and hours of practice that those basketball players had. You know, so you have to love the process. And that's when it that's what it's about for cooking. You got to love it. You gotta, you gotta love it, and you gotta put your foot in it when you do it. You gotta want to do yep. it. All the way up to the ankle bone. All mm -hmm. the way up to that ankle bone. <laughs> there are so many different styles of of cooking barbecue within, you know, across the different types of meat that we typically barbecue here. So I know this is gonna be a hot topic. So what do y'all prefer, Texas style brisket or like? Sweet brisket. I'll, I'll start off with this one. First off, the thing with barbecue styles is you can love, uh -oh. you can love, like there's Texas, there's Texas style, there's North Carolina style. I can be, Texas, the, I, in my opinion, Texas does the best brisket. It's hands down, they, they do it the best. But on other things like pulled pork and ribs, you'll be sorely lacking in from most Texas style places with ribs and pork. Uh, miss uh, Places like Mississippi, North Carolina, those places just do pulled pork way better than Texas. Their flavor balance is a little better. Texas style barbecue is not, the sweetness is really toned down or non-existent. And I think for pork, sweetness with barbecued pork is just, is just awesome. Every, everybody does things really well. They all have their thing. I mean, Memphis is really famous for ribs. Uh, Texas is famous for brisket. The Carolinas are famous for whole hog. Uh, pulled pork is big in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Everybody has their thing that they're really good at. If you want Texas, Texas does really good, uh, really good beef. They do really good brisket, uh, really good short ribs. Uh, they do make some really good sausage too. Uh, I, I like a nice uh, smoked Czech style sausage. Real Definitely. simple flavor. I mean, I mean, it's just. All it is is just salt, pepper, garlic, and pork, and they do a really, but it, boy, that smoke they use, and it's also wood. I mean, what kind of woods they use? Also, there's other places like Kentucky where they uh, they uh, smoke uh, mutton. So Eastern Kentucky is been known for smoked mutton, which is no one's no one smokes mutton in Texas. I mean, that's not that's unheard of. It's all about accessibility too. You know the, yeah, the types right. of wood that you can get in Texas, the right. the types of meat that you can get in Texas. So it's just naturally it's it's, it's going to be organic that Texas is going to have brisket. Um, you know the the technique right. down and, and the flavors. Here's where the controversy yeah. starts because a lot of people are not giving Louisiana their just due, and on the Food Network. Barbecue USA episode, I was really glad that they portrayed us the right way because we have our own flavors too. And I said that to the producer. Mm -hmm. I will say this. Everybody tries to replicate Texas's technique. Texas has great technique on cooking brisket. They have great technique on cooking food. When it comes to flavor, I feel like there's other places that influence barbecue just a little bit better in certain areas. This big thing the past two years with Texas has been, oh, they're not cooking just salt and pepper brisket. They're adding a little bit extra things into it. You know, they're adding mm. garlic into it. They're adding Lowry's to their brisket. Cajun seasoning. Yeah. Cajun seasoning <laughs> is, what's, is what's happening. That's where all of the flavor is. So that's the yeah. difference. Whenever you ask what's, what's the difference between Texas barbecue and Kansas City barbecue and Louisiana barbecue, 
Louisiana just has a different level of flavor that we work with. We just have, yeah. we, we're on a different level when it comes to flavor profiles. It just is what it is. If you don't like it, <laughs> tell me about it. But, right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the flavor profiles for Texas brisket, you have to understand there's, there's, there's areas of Texas. There's an East, Tex East Texas brisket. There's a South Test Texas brisket. And then you have a Central Test Texas brisket. That's the one that gets most, the Hill Country brisket gets most of the uh, notoriety of Texas brisket. It's the most famous one. It's where you're talking just salt, pepper, and post oak. And then you have a South Texas brisket, which has a more Mexican influence. So that's where you get the things where you get the cumin and the chili pepper and the, and the chipotle and all the other flavors. And they use most, they use mostly oak in probably some mesquite, but not as much. Whereas a West Texas, they might use more mesquite because really that's what they have. They have a lot of mesquite in South and West Texas. Yeah. And in East Texas, you're talking, it's going to be oak, primarily probably live oak or red oak, and it's going to be pecan too. So a lot of East Texas uses a lot of pecan. If you're in Northeast Texas, they might have a little bit of hickory in it too. So it's not all the same. Uh, and the East Texas is definitely going to have, due to proximity, is going to have that Cajun influence. Because, yeah. I mean, people have been crossing the border. You know, it's, it's just across the river. You know, people have been crossing the border for, a, a, you know, quite a while. And stuff has migrated, especially from, you know, like the areas like the Beaumont. A lot of Cajun influence in Beaumont. A lot of Cajun influence in Houston as well. There's a lot of people from Louisiana that live in Texas, me being one of them. So... Yeah, and you know, there's, there's absolutely there's, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong no, with that. No, because no, look no. At, look at Louisiana. Look how, how many various cultures that we have here. We take that influence. And when it comes to barbecue, there's a lot of Texas influence just because of proximity. You know, right, so right, exactly. I've always envied Texas technique uh, when, it, when it comes to cooking barbecue. And that's, you know, that's half the battle is learning how to cook these certain meats. You know, there's a lot of people that ask me questions. You know, they, they see the things that I've been doing and they ask questions on how to cook certain things and what to look for. So we definitely need to, to cover some of those basics as well. Well, like anything with cooking is, is time, time and temperature. I mean, that's your big thing. Control your temperature and know your time. You can't go straight off barbecue off time and you can't go off temperature either. You got to go off feel too. So you know that that brisket's not going to be done in three hours. I can just, you can just, you can already just wipe that off the off the wall off the equation it's not going to be done so you have to use your time you have to use your temperature controlling your temperature and then knowing what it should feel like and that just no. comes from partially just experience knowing exactly it's that's all that's the only thing that you can really really rely on is experience and knowing knowing your pit and knowing your protein right you know temperature I mean, the, temperature affects time you know, that, so right. if you, if you're cooking a little bit hotter, then it's going to take a little bit longer. So you have to know your protein. You have to know what's happening at different parts of the cooking process in order to know what to do next and to know if this meat is done yet. Also, you have to know the protein you're cooking safety wise. If you're dealing with chicken or obviously you have a risk of salmonella. So make sure that you're knowing your cooking temperatures that you need to reach. Real important. <laughs> but I mean, just six. <laughs> what's that? Our, our 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 food science nerd is 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 kind of a germaphobe. Yeah, when it comes to chicken, <laughs> I surely am. If you guys don't know that yet, you will throughout this podcast. You will figure that be, out. 
B. Well, you, you've been food poisoned by Hold chicken up. about four, four times that you're going to develop a natural fear of it. B, you wash your chicken? I, I do rinse my chicken. I'm sorry. Okay, it's okay. Called, called me crazy. You don't put soap on it or nothing, do you? you no, no. I just, I, right, I just, right. I, I'm, if, if, uh, yeah. That skin's. Yes. No, I like to, uh, I like to, when I do chicken, especially a whole chicken, I like to rinse it off. And uh, I also like to check for feathers and things like that, because a lot of times you have to pull feathers out of the wings. I mean, it's yeah, part, yeah. part of the process, but uh, I can guarantee you, know, you if you find some if you find some chicken wings on sale at the store, they got yeah, plenty of feathers on it. Oh, oh good man, I, I had to plug this chicken myself. I thought y'all did this. <laughs> I'd have paid but a just, full price to not have yeah. to do this. Yeah, you want to be real careful with chicken. Chicken's always uh, uh I do wash my chicken, call me, but you know the the thing about it is is you have to when you cook chicken regardless, if you wash it or not, you have to sanitize your entire area that you've cooked on. I don't care if you wash it, I don't care if you put it out of the bag, get the bleach out and go to work after it's over with. <laughs> sorry, look, I've ruined a couple shirts like that. I don't, you know, it's just the price you pay. <laughs> Hey, just make sure. Just make sure when you're rinsing your chicken, you you have that water stream on low. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, exactly. It, yeah. Kind of productive to to splash, you know, salmonella on the walls and yeah. on the, cl- so the clean dishes a, and stuff. You know. Use, I use a stainless steel bowl. You know, non-porous. There we go. Rinse it out. Spray it down with a sanitizer. You can use something like star sand or bleach. It it doesn't matter. Casey, but, uh, what what is your favorite cut of chicken? Thai. The chicken thigh is king. Sorry, yeah. sorry, chicken breast people. Chicken thigh is the best. It has the chicken most thigh is king. Although recently, I really started to like drumsticks because of Mr. Barbecue Brand here. Got some nice little videos up on his home grill to make some uh, chicken lollipops that I have done quite a few times. Delicious. Go check it out after you finish watching this podcast. Just slide over and yep. go watch some of those some of my videos. I got some lollipop. Chicken, post the link. Uh, post the link in the lady. description, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have it up for yeah. you. I'll have it up for you. I'll tell you yeah. what, though. I just I don't understand. Sometimes I go to the store and you know you don't know what you want to cook for dinner. So a lot of times you'll go to the meat section and you just try to get inspired. And I'm looking in the chicken section, and I'm looking at the boneless, skinless chicken breasts, and I'm looking at the boneless, skinless chicken thighs. And I don't know why the hell I would pick the boneless, skinless chicken breasts over the chicken thighs. It just doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. Yeah, it's it's I'm, chicken thighs. Chicken thighs king. I mean, yeah, that's it. it. Really is. Hashtag it thighs. Really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's 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 the best. It's the best cut on the chicken. Juve. <laughs> It is it is the best cut on the chicken. It's got the most flavor. It's it's the easy. It's the most forgiving to cook anyway. It, it is. Uh, you know, normally people cook like chicken thigh, like you cook chicken breast to about, you know, 165 is for instantaneous uh, sanitization. If you reach that temperature, it's guaranteed that the chicken breast is fully cooked. Uh, so, but I, I actually read, B, I read that if you cook chicken breast to 155 and hold it there for one minute, then you're in the clear. Right, right. You can also cook. I've cooked chicken at 150. If you cook it for three hours, it's done. So mm-hmm. you don't have to cook it to 165. But you're right. You have to hold. You have to hold yes. for a period of time. So uh, that's where a sous vide comes in real handy. Sous vides are for awesome for holding food at temperature. So, so but uh, 
Talking about chicken. So B for your comp competitions, how, what kind of cuts do you do? Do you do just like chicken thighs by themselves? Do you do chicken breasts or two whole chicken? Oh, what's, 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 what's that? What's that all about? Yeah. So there's actually some leagues out there that you have your choice of whether you want to do chicken thighs and there's all kind of crazy stuff that they do to these chicken thighs oh, to, God, to make it, awful. you know, the presentation <laughs> right and to have bite through skin and everything. I'm 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 gonna call it. I'm a I'm a interrupt fucker. I'm just gonna call it bullshit. <laughs> it, it, I'm sorry. It is what it is. I mean, uh, like like it, I I don't I don't like this. You're taking the skin off, scraping the fat off, and then re-gluing it down to the meat. Like, what's the point, man? This is this is just this is getting ridiculous. You know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a chicken. Like nobody was doing this to chicken when they were barbecuing chicken in their backyard. I mean, like this is. This is ridiculous, man. Chicken fat it's, it's, is delicious. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's uh, yeah, it's not a natural. It's not a natural way to cook food for sure. No. But um, what, what I will say is, is yeah, you have you have some leagues where you have to do the chicken thighs, or you can mm. do legs. Um, there's some leagues where you can do chicken pieces, and you can kind of mix match. For for the league that I'm in, we actually cook half chickens. So we have to hand in a half chicken if we have over a certain number of contestants um, or, you know, a certain number of cooks for a competition, then we will cook two halves and turn those in. But we have to cook a half chicken, which, you know, is not always the easiest thing to do itself. It's but not. it's, I, you know, for half chickens, we're cooking things a little bit more towards the natural side of not having mm -hmm. to, like, you know, remove skin all the way off and do a whole bunch of things to it. You know, right. we're, we're cooking... We're cooking that chicken properly, you know, to perfection, and you know, just getting trying to get our flavor profiles correct. And and that's the that's the challenge of chicken is you have two different types of meat. You have dark meat and white meat. White meat's done at a lower is is better at a lower temperature than dark meat. Dark meat's better at about one eighty five, one eighty, and white meat you don't want to take. You take my white meat to one eighty five, and it is it is. It's Jeremy. done. It's 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 dead. It's really dead at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. chicken gonna bounce. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to. You know. You can no. shoot basketballs with, the, with that chicken breast. You don't. <laughs> you, know, you don't when, want when, that. When it bounces, when you hit, when it hits your plate and bounces off onto the table, you know it's overdone. Yeah. So, no, you don't want. You don't want to overcook. The last thing in the world you want to do is overcook chicken breast because you might as well yeah. just chew on your shoe. Right. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Like that scene not. in, uh, what's that movie? Um, Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation when they're eating the turkey. <laughs> Just a little dry. <laughs> a lot of people have said that before. <laughs> you know, That's but it's, it. it's funny because comp with competition is, um, you know, sometimes you're cooking for judges that have never had properly cooked chicken. You know, we have to take that into account. You know, this person that has eaten, you know, overcooked chicken for the past 45 or 50 years and you give them a juicy, flavorful piece of chicken and they're like, mm, this don't this don't feel right. This don't look right. You know, it's juicy. What is this? Why is this chicken juicy? <laughs> right. And so, I, I, I think that's you bring it to a good point about competition is you you're cooking in. People have their own expectations of food, and that's that's a real challenge. You know, somebody likes spice, somebody doesn't like spice. Somebody thinks this way and that way, or they think, you know, well, why? You know, like they don't like sweet ribs, and somebody gives them a sweet rib, and sometimes it's really hard, challenging to cook to you're cooking to people's expectations, and you don't want to 
you, you could end up chasing, chasing judges or chasing flavors. And it's, it's really, really a challenging and very subjective thing to do. This is a this is a this is a conversation all on its own. We can do a whole episode on this, but what I will say on probably it will. Is, oh yeah, yeah. Look out for that. But what I will say is, with our knowledge of, of flavors and our knowledge of food, sometimes in competitions I do overcook judges. You know, it's uh, it's not to say anything bad about the judges or the judges' palate, um, or or not try to hype myself up, but I, I just do. Sometimes I overcook the judges because. You know, my understanding of flavor is it just continues to increase and I always try to get better the more that I cook. And there's been times where this past uh, when for the Food Network episode for Barbecue USA, this didn't make it on TV. But I had a conversation with Michael Simon about taking foods and creating an amuse-bouche. That's what competition barbecue is supposed to be. It's an amuse-bouche, which is an, which is a French term that translates to mouth pleaser. Right. We're trying to give mm -hmm. a person that one bite and we're trying to pack all of those flavors into that one bite. But we're trying to not just just pack flavors into one bite. We're trying to take them on a journey through that bite. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, I feel like the person that does that the best cook the best that day. But that's not always the way that it works. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a little bit more subjective than that. So. Well, and True. you know, we could, we could, talk, we're definitely going to talk about this later on, but like, it just seems like some of these competitions that we've gone to, to help you out, Bren, um, it just seems like these judges that they choose are, are, are not like trained, you know, they're, they're tasting this food and they're making their own like decisions off the things that they like. They're not tasting it for what it's supposed to be. Like they're not judging it on this, this meet this criteria does it meet this criteria no i mean we we ran into this with the gumbo competition we're cooking based on what this this person likes like he's gonna this person is gonna taste this food and they are going to judge it based on their particular likes or how they like someone else to cook it for them like mama or your mama you know or here <laughs> with barbecue like my like your chicken it tastes like how my daddy made my chicken you know like it it's so subjective and your reputation is riding on this and these judges just aren't I think they're not qualified they're just not trained correctly I, I agree i definitely agree last year i cooked for houston rodeo and we talked to one of the judges and they said they try to tell their judges I want you to treat each bite, each plate you taste, like that's the only food you're gonna taste that day. And you don't judge the food against other food. You judge that food for purely what it is. What and it you is. have to temper the expectation that you're gonna taste something better. Oh, this yeah. is you, the, the first bite, the first mm -hmm. plate you taste might be the best plate all day. And you have to judge it that way. You have to say, hey, this is the best thing I've had. So you have to judge everything individually and when you get that plate, if it's the best, it's the best. You, you rate it on its individual basis, not in comparison to something else. So you, you never know. compare that to the next dish. You just take that and you judge it for what it is. You take the next one and judge it for what it is. And you use your scoring system, which is better if it's weighted. Some, some, some uh, co uh, competitions aren't weighted scoring, where flavor is the highest weighted, texture is, you know, second and there are certain weighted categories for that. Flavor should always be king in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely. So 
and here's the thing is that here's where I can kind of play devil's advocate a little bit. These judges are, this is the first time. So they get crash courses on some of this stuff sometimes. And this is the first time that they have ever done anything like this. So you're telling someone to be very strict in, in how you're judging something, but that bias is still in the back of their mind because we're, we all have that bias in the back of our mind. It's like you taste one thing and then you taste the next thing. And that thing is better than the first thing you tasted. It's, it's hard for you to, to objectively mm -hmm. really, you know, hone in on just this particular bite, but that's what you're supposed to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would never uh, want the job. I would never <laughs> want to judge Bob. Before got. It's too much. It's just, oh, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, like it, it's, it sounds like it's fun, but it really isn't. <laughs> You're tasting a lot of heavy flavors and constantly. And, you know, it, I, I can imagine it's really hard to be objective tasting all these mm -hmm. crazy different things. I'm tasting, you know, all this smoke, smoke can get real overpowering if, you know, uh, Unless you go to a competition that doesn't have any smoke in their barbecue. <laughs> well, I have to say, I, I've did, tasted. Did I, I've tasted, did I say that? Oh did wow! I, say I, that? Yeah, I have I to it. say, I have to say, some of these, some of these things that I've tasted, the smoke flavor has been really light, and I find that really disappointing mm -hmm. as a as a as a big fan of smoke flavor. If it doesn't exist, like, is this is this a barbecue competition? Right, exactly. And not even a kiss of. of, of smoke just just like yeah. a little like a little whisper yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna say it like uh my my neighbor and my, my one of the guys that really looked up you as a barbie you guys like are you smoking or are you vaping what's what's what's, what's the difference you know? <laughs> <laughs> so so some of these flavors taste a little vaped more than smoke yeah so. oh yeah yeah <laughs> Please explain what you mean by that. <laughs> well, I mean, the vaping we we call we call vaping. We joke around saying that pellet smokers are vaping and stick burners are. What if somebody considered an offset smoker or like a cabinet smoker would be real smoking, whereas a pellet smoker would be vaping. So, the, and this is true that the, the smoke flavor on a pellet grill tends to be a little lighter, but there are ways you can amp it up. But it is there. But some of the competition stuff I've tasted tasted. Tasted way less smoke than even you would get on a pellet grill. B, that but is actually uh, that's actually a good point. So we're gonna we're gonna have an episode on uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to the, the, the people about the different types of smokers yes. and um, you know the pros and cons of each. What I will say, since you're on this topic, is that one of the reasons that pellet smokers don't have a lot of smoke is because of the the very quick airflow within them. They literally have right. a fan built into pellet smokers that moves the air across your food very fast so mm -hmm. it's hard you, your smoke never really settles on your food as it's moving right. across that you, you're getting the heat but you're not getting the smoke to settle on your food so it doesn't you really have time have to, to saturate correct it doesn't have time to saturate and you really have to baby it a little bit more in order to get that smoke flavor and you'll not to say that you won't get smoke flavor from from a pellet smoker oh you, you definitely absolutely do can you absolutely can the lower the temperature on it, the better. Um, mm. You know, there's more smoke flavor that you'll get. But if you're if you're smoking at a higher temperature, and you're just blowing and going with that thing, mm. then your smoke flavor is going to be incredibly light. Yeah, you can Almost also use a, Yeah, you can also use a cold smoker inside of a pellet grill to kind mm -hmm. of boost that up a little bit. You can just use yep. a 
stuff it with your same pellets and light it. That'll also give you a little bit more boost on the smoke flavor. But definitely. yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a lighter flavor, and it's, it does taste good. It's just a little bit different. Probably the heaviest smoke, heaviest smoke flavor you're gonna get is on an offset stick burner, which That's is it. where you have the firebox on the side, and you you basically just use wood. There's no char. A lot of people don't even use charcoal in that. They may use it to start it, but then. It's just yeah. straight wood after that, and that's yeah. And you then, build a you build a coal bed, and then you yeah. you use wood after that. Every and I always say this: I feel it to be true that every other pit in the world tries to be uh, a stick burner. You can't completely replicate that flavor, and uh, no. every other pit tries to. And and some some do a very very good job, but that's just the best pit that you can possibly cook with. Right, right. The stick burners, I, I don't have one, but I'd like to get one eventually. But they definitely are my favorite type of pit. I think they produce the, they definitely produce the, the smokiest barbecue, I feel. It's definitely intense. But this is also, you know, like once again, you go into barbecue, you got to go into wood selection. Correct. Wood selection is going to heavily, heavily depend on uh, change your barbecue. That's probably, probably your most, I, I'd say it's the most influential thing on your barbecue other than temperature control would be wood selection. That's going to be where all your flavor is going to come from. What type of wood goes best with what type of protein? That's a, that's a, that is. All right. So top three woods, hickory, pecan, cherry. That's my three favorite. What proteins with, with the corresponding wood? So I like for some of the, let's say brisket, right? For beef. Mm Beef, I lo- I just love pecan. I love, I just love some of that pecan <laughs> flavor on that beef. I just, uh, I that's just, not how we say it in Louisiana. Like, <laughs> no, that that pecan. I like that pecan. I like that pecan on the beef with just a touch of hickory and just a little bit of cherry for the mahogany color and just a little bit of that that sweet flavor in there. I like to kind of, I like to kind of mix that up a little bit for my ribs. When we're talking about pork. I like to go for, I like to go for that pecan again, that pecan with a little cherry. Mm-hmm. I, I usually put a little bit more cherry on my pork, on my ribs and, and let's say pork, but, but the wood is you have your hardwoods, which is your, you know, your hickory, your pecan, uh, your mesquite. Mesquite is very harsh. So like I, when I'm grilling, I like to use mesquite because I can kind of kiss it with that and gives, right. gives me that, you know, chicken. Chicken is really good with mesquite. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got your fruit woods, you know, your apple, your, your cherry, your maple, you know, you even got apricot, peach, you have all of those different woods, but it's not really readily, readily available. You can go to the store right now, any store, hardwood store, get you some hardwood, you know, some pecan, some hickory, cherry, you know, just kind of play around with it. That's what I like mm-hmm. to do. What about you, B? Uh, my top three are oak, pecan, and cherry. Those are those are my three favorite. Uh, oak is my favorite for beef, since I I kind I was kind of school Texas style for barbecue and brisket. And oak is my favorite for beef, just because it's such a light smoke flavor, and it's really hard to oversmoke with post oak. Got a, such a a great combination with oak and black pepper, have one of the best flavor combinations in my opinion. Cherry is yeah, I love can't cherry. Disagree with that. Yeah, cherry is a really great wood for pork. And I also use a little bit of cherry for beef, too. It gives you a nice color and a little sweetness. Pecan is just like you're just, man, you could you could cook anything on pecan and it's good. You can do mm-hmm. chicken, you can do pork, you can do beef, you can do you can do anything with with, uh, with pecan. You can do fish. Yeah, pecan goes great with like salmon, yeah. Cherry goes really good with salmon, too. That's another great 
combination. Uh, also, pecan mm-hmm. and cherry is a great combination too. Uh, things that I don't use, uh, I, I think hickory is another good wood too. I like hickory as well, but you, once again, hickory has the potential for being very bitter if you oversmoke with hickory. So you have to be real conscious of how much hickory you're using. Uh, mesquite is uh, mesquite's dangerous. <laughs> uh, it can it can it can really turn your food very very bitter very fast. So usually if I use mesquite, I'll if I'm smoking with mesquite, I'll start off with mesquite and I'll let it really burn down and and then I probably won't add any more. I'll just hit it at the front end with mesquite and maybe finish it with oak. But usually I'm doing mesquite. I'm doing something for like fajitas or something like that or something that's quick cooking. Steaks mm-hmm. steaks are yep. good with mesquite as well. Uh, you don't want to doing a real long, slow smoke with mesquite is kind of troublesome because it it can really pack on the flavor. I've heard kind of tame it down as they remove the bark, mm-hmm. so you can debark your mesquite and it'll kind of tame down that flavor a little bit. So yeah, I've had you, should, uh, I've, you really don't want to cook with bark a lot. It, a little bit of mm-hmm. bark is fine, but you don't want to have a lot of bark on your no. wood when you're smoking, um, just because. Think about what bark is. Bark is a essentially a protector of a tree. You know, it's 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 mm-hmm. fire insulation. It's all of those things. You don't want to have that type of flavor on your food. You want to have as much barkless wood as possible. There's a lot of sap in the bark too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you, the sap the sap in the bark can cause it to. Uh, that's where you get that that real acrid white smoke from. That is is that those kind of things burning. Some sugars burning can give you a real off bitter bitter taste so it's real you got to be real careful with your wood you know you got to know what it know, know what your wood does know the temperatures it cooks like your hottest burning wood is probably oak and mesquite that i think mesquite might burn a little hotter but it doesn't burn as long oak burns the longest casey i'm gonna let you go i, I want to say this for everybody listening to the podcast i want everybody to comment down below what topics you want us to cover with barbecue there is so much to cover yes. with barbecue wow there's world. no way yeah. that we could cover everything in one episode no. and i get right. so many questions i need y'all to engage with us put down below what questions you want us to cover because there is a there is a mob of people out there that love barbecue they love to cook barbecue they mm-hmm. want to cook barbecue better and we can help you do it. So make sure that you comment down below what topics you want us to cover, and we will cover in future episodes. Yeah, we've 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 between this group, we've done it all. We've done whole hogs, we've done briskets, we've done ribs, spare ribs, pork Thousands. ribs, beef ribs. I <laughs> yeah, I've even I've even smoked lamb before. I've done lamb briskets uh, before. So <laughs> I, I have a question. So something that you touched on just a few minutes ago, what you said. Your smoke is white. Isn't all smoke white? Mm, no. <laughs> no, your your smoke your smoke <laughs> should actually be uh pretty close to invisible. It shouldn't you shouldn't even real see it. It's it's a light they they call it blue smoke. You get a light bluish gray smoke, very very light and almost 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 invisible. It's very very hard to see sometimes, especially if you're burning a real a hot burning wood like oak, you can barely see the smoke. Pecan, you can barely see the smoke if you got it combusting right. So you want to get that that clean smoke. Now you'll always get that white smoke. There's no avoiding it. I mean, mm-hmm. you put you put wood on, it's going to get there. And in my opinion, it's actually a little bit necessarily. It's necessary to the flavor a little bit. It doesn't kill it. Yeah. But you. But if you're. If you if you if you're if you're running that white smoke and it's white smoking like all the time, I was like, man, that is gonna taste like it's gonna taste like a telephone pole. 
Yeah, you want to you want to get like creosote. You want to get your wood as close to total combustion as possible. You want that wood right. to be on fire because that means that you're running an oxygen-rich fire, which is what you yes. want. You don't want to choke your fire off. You don't want to, you know, hold back on your oxygen. You want to be able to control your temperature, but you don't want to choke your fire off because that's when you get that real bitter. You you can make some really bad barbecue by heavens. And that's one of the things whenever I first started barbecue and I was thinking Oh, I got to see all of this big white smoke coming out of my smoker. So, <laughs> oh, man, I'm smoking now. I'm making some really good barbecue. Yeah. No, you ain't. That is not what you want to see. You want to no. see that thin blue smoke because that means that you're running an oxygen-rich fire. Things are combusting right, and you're making good food. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Hey, this is this is this is such a this is such a big topic. I mean, we, we, we could spend a whole we could spend episodes just on ribs. <laughs> themselves pork ribs right let's the, right. the pork ribs and baby back ribs yeah you we know, didn't I, even touch on beef ribs we didn't even touch on oh that yeah yet, so. Wait, we, I, didn't, we didn't we didn't touch on my favorite cut that butt yeah, <laughs> that, booty. Poor, that old that, that, <laughs> that old shoulder <laughs> that old pork shoulder it's just the shoulders yeah. it's not really the shoulder that, that, <laughs> no. The the butt is the shoulder and the shoulder is a ham. So there you go. <laughs> and then you got a then you got a shoulder and a picnic shoulder. There's a difference between those two. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's I mean, and and there's a whole thing. A good thing about beef ribs. You brought up beef ribs. Beef ribs are actually one of the things I suggest people try barbecuing first because it is the easiest. There's nothing easier to barbecue than a beef rib. It's no, there's no wrapping. There's no all it is is just temperature, time, and spritzing, and it's very, very hard to mess up. You'd have to, you'd have to overcook it to well over 200, 200 degrees to, to really ruin a beef rib. You I mean, have to use all that white smoke too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but beef ribs are real easy. They they take there. You cook them usually between two fifty and two seventy five. They they usually cook between five and six hours. You cook them to about 200 degrees, 201 if you want. If you want them a little more tender, bring them to about 204. Yeah. And they're we, done. And all you, all you have to do is keep them a little moist at the end so it doesn't crust up too hard. That's, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. That's, that's something that we're going to have to cover in another episode too because yeah. the type of beef rib. Do not go to the grocery store and see the little, those little beef back ribs. No, think that no. you can smoke that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about no. the dino ribs or the chuck ribs. No, you know, the yeah, big cuts, I, usually the three or four bone big slab of beef ribs. So we'll yeah, they, they, we'll yes. cover that later. Sometimes they're called uh they're called um uh, short a short rib plate is a normal right. one that you'll mm -hmm. see. Dinos yeah. are a little bit bigger, uh so yeah. They're all kinds. And but th those those beef back ribs, those are actually used for making stock. That's what I buy them for. <laughs> <laughs> right. They make a really good stock. <laughs> barbecue, not so much. But there there's yep. so much on barbecue. There's there's wood selection, fire, you know, fire control. Oh man, we could just go on and on and on for this subject. Yeah, please, and we probably please, will. Yeah. Please leave comments, questions, whatever you guys want to hear from us. Let us know. We, we, we want to engage with you guys. We want to answer these questions. We, right. we want we want to learn from you too. So put stuff in the comments for us. We you know, we really, really want to engage with you guys. Yes, absolutely. That's right. So with that being said, I'm gonna have our little end quote. And it goes this this is actually from Guy Fieri. Cooking is all about people. Food is maybe the only universal thing that really has the power to bring everyone together. 
no matter what culture, everywhere around the world, people eat together. I agree. That was great. You know who else brings people together? Juve. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, y'all. This has been episode two. All right. Y'all have a good uh, rest of y'all day. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time.